You're listening to Creatively Human with honest conversations about what matters to us and how it really feels to build an online business, put our work out into the world, make an impact in our own unique way, and importantly, to get well paid for it. I'm your host, Ruth Poundwhite, business mentor to quietly ambitious humans. Today's episode topic is a bit different from the kind of thing we usually talk about on the podcast. We are going to be talking about grief. So here's your trigger warning for anything and everything that can come up under that subject. Today's guest, Ingrid, suggested this topic to me because it's something that she feels really passionate that we should all be talking about more. And I know it's not directly related to business, but of course it's related to business because we're talking about living your life and doing your business when stuff happens and we're also talking about how important it is to really connect with people and to have people around you that you can actually be really vulnerable with um so yeah this is just I feel like it's an important thing to talk about but obviously if it's not the right thing for you to be listening to at this time then that's absolutely fine But if it is, then I think you're going to love what Ingrid has to say on the topic. And honestly, I really loved the idea that it's okay not to be okay. And I think that whether you're grieving someone or not, it's really important to know that it's okay not to be okay. We all know that business isn't just about the strategy and getting things done, but it's about all the feelings too. So I feel like it's such an important subject to talk about, both in terms of grief, but also in the wider context of what it means to be a human doing business especially as one person so I hope you enjoy it and I'm just going to let you know a little bit more about Ingrid who is a former commercial lawyer turned successful business owner. After a number of years spent working her way through the courts, law firms and in-house roles, Ingrid decided she wanted to work more directly with her clients and assist those who didn't have access to the legal advice they needed. She now works with freelancers, small business owners and startups to ensure their contracts, terms and conditions, policies and GDPR bits are all legally compliant. Ingrid also runs the popular Facebook group All the Business Bits which is a place for freelancers and small business owners to get expert help on the less sexy aspects of running a business. You can find Ingrid on Instagram she is at deck and dash underscore Ingrid or definitely go and join her Facebook group All the Business Bits. She also has a podcast of the same name so definitely check that out. Okay, so it's time to get honest and open and vulnerable in this episode. I hope you like it. When we were talking before, when I invited you on this podcast, you suggested the topic of grief to me. And I would love just to start by asking you, why is it so important to you to talk about this and why you suggested it for the podcast? Yeah, absolutely. Um, Well, firstly, thank you for letting me talk about this because it's, as I'll come to, it's a really big part of my world now. And I think we don't talk about it enough, unfortunately. And that's, um, that's one of the key reasons that I wanted to talk about it and that I'm talking about it more. It's because, um, just over a year ago, almost a year and a half now, actually, I lost my mum quite, well, not suddenly in that we had about nine weeks notice, but suddenly in the scheme of, of my life, um, And it was a massive blow. My mum and I have always been extremely close and I'm the baby of the family. So she and I, we've always had a really special bond. And so for me to, to lose her in a way that was, it was wrenching and it was sudden. And ever since, I think it's, it's been learning to, to walk with that in my life. And 
because prior to losing her, I never really had a big loss in my life. I guess I'm really lucky to get to 35 and, and never having lost someone really close to me in my life, someone who was an integral part of my life. So I really had no tools of what to expect. I had no words for what I was going through at all. Um, I'm so lucky I've got a sister who I'm super close to and we could walk through it together. But even then, our experiences were very different of it. So for me, standing in it, and I didn't, I didn't even know how to process it. And I thought, well, where this is something that sadly, we're all going to feel and a lot of people so much younger than I did, are having to deal with it. But at some point in our lives, the only certainty, they say death and taxes are the only certainty that death is, you know, it's something that we're just always going to have to walk through. And I think the fact that I didn't even, I didn't even have any idea of what it would look like. I know people say ignorance is bliss, but I don't think it was because I didn't, I didn't have what I needed in those first few months, especially to even be able to tell people. And I was lucky to have a really strong support network, but I couldn't even tell them what I needed or what I was feeling or thinking. So back to your question as to why I wanted to talk about this is because I want grief to be something, obviously not that we talk about all the time or that we dwell on because it is hard and it's sad and it's a lot of big feelings, but I think there's something really uniting in it because we are all going to face it in different ways at different times and I think we all need to be able to walk with each other through it and I think that's that's really important. Mm, mm, that's so interesting and yeah I can totally understand the angle at which you're coming at it from um I guess just to share my experience like I also feel very fortunate not to have lost people close to me until last year and I lost my granny and I have lost grandparents before but I wasn't as close to them so it was definitely a different experience for me and I don't feel it would be the same as losing a parent but it it's still like hit me in an unexpected way because I had no idea what to expect and I even found myself thinking things like I should be feeling this I should be feeling that and I had to like catch myself like I don't know how I should be feeling I don't know how I will feel now or later or anything and that was really interesting in itself so I guess I'm gonna take it back a bit and think about because you said you didn't have the words to even ask for the support that you need and I'm I suppose you also didn't have that kind of confidence or self-awareness at the time to even know that. Is that the case? Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So I described the first couple of months now that I'm a little bit past that initial period. The first six months for me was a complete fog. And looking back now, I can't even remember a lot of it. It's, It's literally like a brain fog. And I compare it, not not that it's at all the same, but for me, because I'm a parent, it's a lot like when I first had my first child, obviously without the grief, but as in I had no idea what was going on and I had no idea what I should be doing or feeling or thinking. And there were a lot of voices telling me, this is what it should look like. This is what it should feel like. This is what you should do to to keep moving through it. But there was nothing, I guess, for me that really described the magnitude because for me, losing my mum was very much a before and after. So there was my life before I lost her and there's my life after. And 
motherhood for me was the same. There was life before I became a mother and then life since then. So I've had those two pivotal moments. And I think the challenge for me was that I, I couldn't even understand. So as a, for instance, the day after I lost mum and I woke up in the morning and it blew my mind that the world was still turning and everyone was going about their normal lives. But for me, my life completely shifted and my world didn't look the same anymore. And, and I didn't even know how to navigate that because, you know, for 35 years I'd had my mum and I knew what my life looked like and I knew where I sat in relation to my life and in relation to the people who I guess were the pillars of my life. And then when I lost my mum and I had to look at going forward without her, I just, again, I just didn't have the words to say to people, I don't know how to be right now. I don't know how to be. And I had to keep, you know, being a mother and being a wife and being a sister and being a friend. But I didn't know how to be Ingrid, who didn't have a mum anymore. And for me, that was the hardest part, because there were people around me saying, we love you, we're here for you, what do you need? And for me, I thought, well, I don't know. How am I meant to know what I need? No one prepares you for this. There's no, you know, of course, there, there are such great resources out there about dealing with grief. But in that initial stage, I, I couldn't read things. I had no attention span. I had no focus. So to try and take in information about, you know, the stages of grief and the feelings, I couldn't compute it. So it was all really, it was really overwhelming, but also at the same time, it was a void. So it's a, it's two really strange things existing at the same time. It's all these feelings and all this confusion because of a loss and because of an emptiness in my life. So it was really difficult to try and even for myself to work out how do I feel today or how do I feel this hour or how do I feel this minute and what can I do to get through to the next minute? And what can I do to just keep taking the next step? And that for me was very much, it was very much a one step at a time, one moment at a time, dealing with the feelings as they changed and they changed really rapidly in that period. So as hard as it was to verbalize, and I couldn't for a little while, it was very much about trying to almost quieten things down and go, okay, what can I do to just get through? What can I do to just get through the next little bit and then take a break and go, you know, hide under the bed or whatever it might be just to, to not have to function. So, yeah, it's it really makes you micro focus, I think, on what you really need just to get through each moment. Mm -hmm. And you said in those early days, people were asking you, what do you need? But you didn't know how to respond. And I'm curious as to how long did they keep asking you and did that? stop before like before you really you really needed it to stop do you see what I mean definitely it's really interesting I think a lot of people who have been through a massive life change like a loss or becoming a parent or any of the really dramatic life changes that we go through you'll really find it impacts your relationships a lot and I I found this a lot and there are a lot of people who you think will be present who who maybe can't for whatever reason and there are people that you don't anticipate being present who are who really walk you through and who really stand with you I was really lucky in that the people very close to me were there and are still you know they're still asking me how are you doing do you need a break is it all getting a bit much you know and so I still have that support which is incredible but then I think there are people who I probably thought might be 
available or who might be more present who haven't been able to. And I think part of that is because we don't know how to talk about grief. We don't know how to talk about death. There's so much taboo around it and there's so much fear about saying the wrong thing. And I think that really holds us back from reaching out to each other. And it's so unnecessary because for me, and obviously I can't speak for everyone at all, but there's very little that people could say wrong to me in that early period. If all I needed to hear was, I love you, I'm here for you, what what can I do? Do you want some water? Do you want food? Like I, the big philosophical things, they didn't work for me. I didn't need anyone to try and make it better because there was, there was no making it better. And, and I knew that. And so it wasn't about trying to say the right thing. It was just about feeling that I wasn't alone. And I think that was what I was really lucky to have people who, who never left me to feel alone. And because that's the hardest thing, I think, when people don't know what to say and they stop asking and they fear reaching out, that loneliness of grief can be debilitating. That's one of the most awful parts of it. Mm. In my case, I found that I, and I know it's obviously a different experience of grief, and my granny was very old and she had been sick for a long time, like probably uh, mm-hmm. around a year And it was almost a relief when she passed away. So there's the context of that. And I suppose because it was a relief, yeah, I I was able to sort of carry on as normal. But the problem for me was that because I was doing that, even the people closest to me, like my husband, Mm. he kind of just thought I was okay. And actually I wasn't. And um, it manifested in me basically being exhausted. And I think it it was total, it was from the mental stuff that I just wasn't, processing and I feel like obviously yeah it was just important for me because when I realized I was exhausted in the end I had to just say to my husband look obviously I'm not okay and I had to just go and tell him and it wasn't necessarily his fault for not thinking I was but it was it was um yeah it it was interesting because I just thought that I was okay and I wasn't and my body told me and then after that I let myself you know process it and rest and just just be supported a bit more by my husband like telling him more um intentionally going to him yeah just saying um and yeah I didn't expect that either yeah yeah I think and that's I think another thing because we don't talk about grief a lot and we don't talk about the impact of losing someone on the people who are left behind when we find ourselves there we again we don't know how to say I'm struggling. We, you know, that's not something that is easy to say, especially, you know, and I, I'm not saying that men don't feel the same way. I think it's different from a, a male perspective that they can't say it for different reasons. But I think for women, there's a there's a pressure to be able to manage everything and to be able to do all the things and to actually stop and say, well, no, I'm not coping and I need a rest or a break or I need to go away or I need to just not have to function around people, I don't think that's really accepted a lot. And so when we, even if that's what we need, we often again don't have the words for it because we're, we're so restricted from, from just saying that. And that's obviously changing now. And I think in a lot of, we're, we're in a lot of the same communities. I think we're learning that it's okay to say these things and it's okay to not be okay. But I think for me, for myself I've definitely been conditioned and I've always felt like no you just have to keep going you just you've just got to keep getting through it'll get better everything will get better if you just keep going through and I think 
grief is the opposite. Everything will get better when you stop and, you know, sit with the feelings and let them come through and, and rest and, and actually check in with yourself about what you need. You can't keep doing your way through grief or trauma. That's, that's just my, my opinion. Yeah. So can I ask you a bit about the stuff that you do have to keep doing? Like you have no choice. So like parenting and potentially even some work stuff, like how Mm -hmm. was that for you? So I was in a really, really privileged position uh, when this was happening with my mum and and after we lost her in that I was able to step back from work a bit and my husband could support the family. And I I realised that so many people don't have that luxury and it it was so much luxury that I could could stop working, not entirely, but I could definitely take a step back, which which was necessary for me. Um, But that being said, I think removing yourself completely is is not always a good thing because then there's almost a barrier into going back into that world and to stepping back into it and it can feel almost like you've moved on in inverted commas when when you haven't in your mind or emotionally so I think for me and I'm again I'm so lucky and I'm so blessed that the communities that I have even in our online business world were so incredibly present and supportive and they were they were there for me and you know the clients that I had at the time were really understanding when I said look I definitely want to work with you but I can't at the moment because this is the situation I'm in and I completely appreciate that you will need to get the work done and if you need to go elsewhere I completely understand and you know some people needed to and that's fine but some people were willing to wait and I think for me one of the one of the key elements about wanting to talk about grief is that we need to let people in in order for them to stand with us and we need to be able to share with people how hard it is and how much we're struggling so that they can say okay great i can be here for you i can put this aside and i can take on this for you or i can they can do the things that we might need them to do but we might not know until we share that. So I think, you know, talking about, for me in my business, telling a lot of my clients where I was at, telling a lot of my business friends where I was at, that really gave me the space to take a little bit of time out. But then when I came back to it, it didn't feel like I'd been gone that long because I'd kept those connections going. And and all those friends that I had lovingly, they welcomed me back in and they just made it like I hadn't you know, I'd just taken a little breather, not that I had stepped away from the business. And I think, again, I have a very supportive husband who, with the parenting stuff, um, took just stepped up incredibly because there were times when I just, I couldn't be a mum because I I was so deep in the grief and I was so lost in not being a daughter anymore and all that that I couldn't, I couldn't parent. I, I wasn't able. So again, my husband really had to step in and help. But again, that was me saying to him, I can't, I can't mother the way that I need to mother and the way that the boys need me to mother because I have two little boys. So as much as I want to be here with you guys, I'm, there's also part of me that doesn't. So we just had to navigate that. And we really had to work around you know, some days I'd be with the boys and everything would be fine. And then a wave of the grief would hit and I'd have to say, okay, I know you're doing something, but I actually just, I, I need a few minutes to, to be upset and to get angry or whatever it was. And 
a lot of the time between my husband and my husband's family and my family, we were able to share that parenting over that period so that I could have a little bit of breathing room for it. So, of course, there was no, as you would know, and as a lot of your community will know, you know, parenting doesn't stop for anyone. So it's not at all that I, you know, was able to take a break from it. And not that I would have wanted to because my children were grieving in their way. But I was definitely able to have the support that I needed because I I said, I can't do this without support and without help. It's just, I'm not going to get better. Yeah. yeah. I think it's so important that you shared that because with anything, especially parenting related, there could be a lot of guilt and feelings that come up over saying stuff like, I don't, I didn't want to be with them sometimes, you know, yeah. but I'm pretty sure everyone will relate to that. And I feel like I can relate to it in terms of mental health as well, like mental health kind of episodes and bad periods and I think there's a lot of power in sharing that yeah and I think again it's there's oh I I think it's such a damaging illusion that that we as parents can't step away from it without there being some kind of stigma like I I love being a mother and I of course I wouldn't I would never change it but there are still times when I'm just a person and I'm just a person struggling in my world and in my life and in my mind. And, you know, and as much as I'm always a mother, I'm still also always a person. And I think sometimes we can forget that we, you know, we play all these really important roles and we forget that we're just a person first. And if we're not okay, that's okay. And you can pause the other titles that you have in order to just be okay as a person. Oh, I love that remembering that we're just a person first and that's so true for business as well isn't it I mean I was going to share my experience because as the breadwinner I found that difficult and I think that that's what led me to thinking I was okay and powering through because I just carried on with my work and I had to to an extent but when I realized I wasn't okay firstly I made more space and 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 that's not always easy because sometimes you think you have to do things but really if you're quite firm with yourself you don't have to do nearly as much as you think but also I suppose the most important lesson it taught me is that you know we're in business for ourselves for a reason we're in business for ourselves to create freedom and I want the kind of business that can survive when life happens and I feel like it's taught me an important lesson and I'll and I'll come back to that time you know when I'm thinking about the kind of business that I want to create. Absolutely. I think that I read something online and it really resonated with me that most of us didn't start a business or or choose to go freelance in order to work all the time. Most of us started it because we wanted to work in a different way or to work more flexibly or to take into account our families or our lifestyle or whatever it may be. So if we're working so much in our businesses or our freelance lives that we're not able to be what we wanted the flexibility for, then it, for me personally, and this is not true for everyone, but for me, that completely negates the whole idea of why I wanted to start my own business. I, it wasn't at all to work less, it was to work flexibly and to be able to take account of what my life needed. And if I couldn't do that, especially for me, especially around the loss of, of my mum, which was really fundamental to my life, then what was the point? Do you know what was the point of putting in all this energy and effort to a business if it couldn't work around one of the most important things that would ever happen to me? Yeah, yeah. 
And I just want to say, like, there's no judgment on people that do, you know, find themselves not having much space in their schedule, because unfortunately, that is sometimes part of the process. And also, I was in the middle of running my community project, which you were a part of. And that's Mm -hmm. when my granny passed away. And um, I actually found so much comfort in continuing to run that project. It was um, about the difference that people are making in the work that they do in their business and it made me reflect on her life in such a different way and I found that so special and so in that sense I just wanted to say that because it's like it's okay to carry on with things as well and I did find so much comfort in that and also it ended up giving me a reason to write about it and I kind of let out some of my thoughts in words which was really really useful too. Yeah absolutely and I I definitely don't want to say that there's a right way to do it because I think with grief and with loss and and with any big change that we go through this is completely my experience and I'm not I'm not at all a, a grief expert but for a lot of people especially people I know when they've gone through a really difficult time the doing for them has been therapeutic in a way because there was something that they could almost dive into and not have to be in the grief all the time in it gave them a distraction or it gave them some comfort so absolutely find what works for you so if if getting back into work and if having that routine grounds you and and gives you a release definitely do that but if space and time and recovery is what you need in a different way then then find a way to make that I think it's the most important thing I'd want people to get from what we're talking about is there's no right way to feel or to be or to get through it. And, you know, there's no way you should do it. And this comes back to what you were saying. There were no shoulds around how you should feel or how you should walk through grief. It's it's so individual and you just, you have to let yourself have whatever it is you need, no matter how that looks. Yeah, yeah. And talking about the kind of shoulds and the rules, can we talk about how can people support people because I think that's a huge barrier people don't want to say anything because they're so terrified of saying the wrong thing absolutely so this is something that a little bit further on from from the worst of it I can I can laugh about a little bit now with my sister it's something we can laugh about because we were lucky enough to have so many people around us who were really loving and that we were close enough to who when they would say something that really didn't work for us. And again, it's very, you know, it's very person specific. What people take comfort from is very different. But what we found was when people were trying so hard to to give us meaning or to make us feel better or to find a positive spin on it, I think we need to understand with grief and with loss that there's nothing, again, this is going to sound like a very blanket statement, but there's nothing that anyone can say that will lessen the loss, I think it's fair to say. I think there's definitely things we can say that are comforting and that give us a bit of release or that that give, make us feel loved and make us feel like we're less alone. But for me personally, the loss of my mum and the void left behind is not there, – there were no words that could lessen that impact on my life. And when people try to find a positive spin on it, that for me at the time and in the worst of it was actually harder to hear because when, for me, having lost a parent who was I was so close to and I spoke to every day and who was very, she was a big part of how I parented as well. So for me, there was literally no positive outcome. There was, there was no, in the first couple of months, there was nothing 
I could positively take from that. And hearing people try to find positivity, I just wasn't ready to hear that. And I didn't find that helpful because I wasn't I wasn't in a space to hear that yet. And I wasn't ready for that. For me personally, and for a lot of the people I've spoken to, what they found comforting was saying, um, I'm here for you. And this is awful. Acknowledging what people are feeling. Yes, this is this is terrible and this is not okay and you shouldn't have to be dealing with it. And for me, that was so helpful. I didn't, and this is something that um, a lot of people might be able to relate to. My husband is extremely solution focused. So when I complain to him or when I go to him with a problem, rather than empathizing, he will go into solution mode. And a lot of times that's fabulous and that's very practical. But for me, when I was grieving, that is the opposite of what I needed. I didn't need a solution because for me at that point in the first six months, there was no solution. And I addict, but there was just no, there was no better way to go through it. So I didn't need um, a positive spin. I didn't need um, a solution to what I was feeling or ways to make me feel better. What I just needed to be felt or what I wanted to be feeling was heard. And I just wanted people to say, yep, this is awful that your mum's gone. This is actually terrible. And and I'm so sorry that she's not here. And I'm so sorry that she won't be here. And that was that was all I needed. That was the comfort that I needed for people to say, yes, it is shit. Sorry. <laughs> it is, you know, it is the worst. And there is, um, there's nothing that will make that better right now. And that for me, I, I get for some people that might sound a bit pessimistic, but in that time of grief, I, I guess I needed other people to see how big an impact this was. Like this was literally a before and after impact on my life. And for you to say, oh, it'll get better soon or, you know, you'll feel better soon and it'll ease and you'll bounce back. And for me, none of that resonated with me at all. What I just needed to feel was heard and understood in the magnitude of the loss, if that makes sense. Oh, it makes so much sense. I feel like that's such an important way to put it, to feel heard. Yeah. And that applies to yeah. so much in general, right? And I think, I don't know what you think about this, but maybe that's one of the reasons why it's so hard to talk about grief because it's so hard to just feel heard when it comes to any kind of negative emotion in life, really. It's sometimes hard. Like people do tend to go to the solutions, like you said your husband is, tends to do. And sometimes you do just need someone to say that shit. Yes. That's yeah. exactly it. Yeah. And I think we don't, you know, we don't talk about when things are awful. And if you look at Instagram, I'm not great with posting on Instagram. I'm I'm far more of an over-consumer with mm. Instagram. <laughs> and I think part of my issue with it was that, and this has changed a lot recently, and I think it's very much who I follow, but for a long time, it was a very idealized platform. And for me, it was an unattainable platform. Like the, the lives that I was seeing and the way people were living were not things I could relate to in any way. There was no reality for me where I can say, oh, yeah, I understand that or that's, that's something I felt. Or It was all just very shiny and glossy. And that's very much changing now because I think I'm seeing and a lot more of the people that I'm following are open about the challenges and the not so glossy side of life. And I think with online businesses, especially, and a lot of the relationships I make at the moment are online. They're the, the people I'm meeting, they're the people I'm talking to, the friends I'm making, the clients I have generally tend to be online. And I think 
there can be a pressure to seem like everything's perfect and everything's great and everything's thriving. And, you know, if you're not, it's almost like, well, should I really, do I really want to follow that person? And I, I think that's a completely false perception because for me, the people who I am drawn to online are the people who say, yeah, a lot of this is great, but a lot of this is hard. And, you know, there are amazing aspects to it, but here's what went wrong this week. And I really, for me, they're the people I want to be around and follow and talk to and, and really engage with, because I relate to that completely. I relate to, yes, here's the good bits of my life, but oh my goodness, this was awful. And I, I really appreciate when we can talk more about the hard stuff and the not glossy stuff and the not perfect stuff. And I don't see it as negativity. I see it as the reality that we're all on a very up and down road. None of us have a smooth path all the time. It's just the nature of, of you know, of life and, and where we are in our different life stages. So I think the more we can talk about what people may perceive as negativity, I think it just gives us all space to feel what we're feeling and that's okay. And we can share that and we can, we can use those words that might otherwise be taboo. Yeah, absolutely. And how many of us sort of try not to feel what we're feeling and then mask it with whatever our way of masking is like food, drink, whatever. And in more of us being more honest about how we're feeling and the fact that it's okay not to feel okay, then maybe that helps us actually feel our feelings. And it sounds so simple, but I do think a lot of us do mask our feelings. I mean, I've been there too. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I've And I think before this happened with my mum, that's something that now 16 months on, I can say, yes, here's a, a positive that's come from it. I I just don't have the energy to, yeah, to yeah. mask things anymore because the feelings that I have, especially around grief and around loss, they are very big and heavy. And I don't have the energy to try and pretend they're not there. And it doesn't it doesn't benefit me. It doesn't make me feel better. So when I can acknowledge it and sit with it, I also then find that the good stuff comes easier too, because I can sit in the bad things and I can acknowledge them and feel them and then almost move through them rather than pushing them into a corner and waiting for them to overtake everything. So, and again, everyone's very different, but I think if we can feel the good things and feel the bad things and accept that they can, we can have both at the same time, that it makes it a little bit easier to navigate the really bad stuff. Yeah, absolutely. And I was going to ask you actually, because I know you've got your online business and now you've got your Facebook group and your podcast. I don't know what it was in terms of how you were showing up online back then, but were you actually online when you were going through the worst of your grief or did you take a step back? So I kept, so it's funny, the way things happen is um, we... So my mum lived in Australia, which is where my husband and I are from, and we're, we're based in London. And so we got a call saying she was unwell and thinking that she was just not well. We, you know, booked a trip home to Australia for a couple of weeks. And when we got there, we found out that it was, it was terminal and the nature of it. And it just goes to show how your mind can compartmentalise things in that I just kept working. So even though we went – so mum had um, – stage four liver cancer. So we went into chemotherapy and, and my sister and I were her carers, but I kept working and I was still online and I was still taking on clients and I was still delivering work and meeting deadlines even through, and I wasn't at the grief stage yet because I haven't 
lost her, but I was in a very traumatic time. But I just kept doing. I just kept, and I was still visible online, and I was still doing all the things that I'd been doing. And it wasn't till a couple of weeks before we lost mum when I realised I just couldn't keep juggling um, my work and my family and what mum needed from it. So work had to slow down, but I was still I was still doing things and I was still online. And I think during the period after we lost mum is when I actually took the step back and said I needed to, to stop taking on any new work for a while. But I think this is where the practicalities of having had some content, I guess, came in really handy because I wasn't in a place to be recording anything live. I looked, I, you know, I can't even imagine how terrible I looked, but also I wasn't in myself enough to be present online and to present myself the way I wanted to be. So I had, I was lucky enough to have content that I'd worked on before and for my business that I was able to repurpose in order to keep things moving. So I was still present and I was still there, but I didn't have to be the way I am usually. So I had enough, I guess, resources available in terms of content for Instagram and for Facebook in order to keep that going. And I had enough connections with people to to be able to talk about what was going on. But to be honest, I wasn't in a frame of mind to be producing new content or to be creating things. So it was about, it was a really, it was an opportunity, I guess, to learn about repurposing the content that I had and making it really work for me in ways that were still useful to my audience and to my potential clients and making sure that I was still in the back of their minds, even if I couldn't work with them immediately, that I would be available. So I was, so back to, sorry, I go such a long route to answering your question. Um, I was able to remain somewhat visible, but I had to do it in a really different way in order to, for it to be authentic, if that makes sense, rather than trying to pretend everything was fine and appear as I always had. I just had to come at it from a different angle. Yeah. And I'm guessing like you weren't ready to be sharing the feelings you were going through in the moment, or maybe you didn't want to share it. So I, I don't think, I definitely didn't share um, a lot of what I was going through, a lot of the depths of the feelings. And because it was such, for me at the time, it was such a roller coaster that it would change so quickly. And it was just all these new feelings that I'd never had to deal with before. So while I was open with people about the fact that I was grieving and this was a really strange new world to find myself in and that I was finding my bearings, also because I've got the work I do is in relation to legal consulting. So that for me was a distraction in a way so I could think of ways that I could be visible online and and be helpful and be of use to people And it wasn't all about the grief. So having that was useful. I could kind of dip into that when I needed a little bit of space from being sad. I could go into that and talk about that and then come back to being sad and be okay there as well. So I think that's how I was able to juggle that continuing visibility with with all the feelings. Yeah, yeah. And I feel like because we've talked about the importance of being open and showing the hard times, but it's also important to know that you don't have to share it and especially when you're going through it and it's okay to be a bit selfish like what do you need and you needed a bit more space so you could repurpose your content I mean that's absolutely fine yeah absolutely and I think as much as I'm all for 
and I am all for talking about this more and sharing more so that we can all be one so that when it comes to going through it, we have more tools to do that and we have the words to do it, but also so that we can stand with our loved ones when they're going through it. Because I think now that I have gone through what I've gone through, I can see how unhelpful I would have been before this happened to me because I just, I didn't have the tools. So I think it is so important to talk about it. And that's why I want these conversations to happen more. But at the same time, I don't think anyone should feel obligated to share from a place of pain ever. I think there's there's no benefit to the self because often there's there's regret around oversharing and, and also sharing things that you might not have processed yet. And then also you just don't know who's seeing that and how they're taking it and how they're perceiving things. So I think it's great. I was really honest saying that I was struggling with the loss of my mom and I was struggling with, you know, all these different feelings, but I didn't feel like I needed to, to tell everyone what, what all those feelings were or it was enough to say I was struggling and that for me gave me the support I needed and that let people be there for me in a way that they could. So I think it's really important for every person to find that balance because it's different for every one of us because we all show up so differently. But I don't think there should ever be any pressure on people to show up in a certain way or to be particularly transparent about what it feels like if they're not comfortable if that doesn't sit well absolutely and in my case like there's been stuff that I mean there's always stuff for everyone going on behind the scenes right but there's been some particularly hard stuff in terms of um, my husband's side of the family and I'm not talking about it firstly because it's not even like it's it's my husband really that's you know Mm. going through it and his family and but I do feel like saying sometimes you know when I share things that have gone well so for example at the end of 2019 I wrote a review of the year and you know I'm celebrating all the things that have gone well but I did want to include a sentence that just said there is still stuff behind the scenes like I'm probably never going to talk about it because it's not even my place to talk about it but there is stuff and I feel like I hope that even just acknowledging it shows that you know it's not as amazing or always amazing as it may seem sometimes. Definitely. And I I really struggled um, at the end of, you know, in December last year and January of this year when everyone was doing, you know, those end of year reviews and goals for the new year and all that kind of thing. And I, I can tell you honestly, I just was not there for mm-hmm. any of that. I couldn't, it wasn't resonating with me. And that's not, it's got nothing to do with the content and it was all to do with what 2019 was for me and that was you know there were so many things when I actually sat down to do a review which I I didn't do till about a week ago there were so many amazing things that I was able to achieve and do but for me 2019 will always be an overarching year of just survival you know just surviving the grief and learning how to be in the world again and that's again like exactly like you say that is not something that I talk about in everything I post or in everything I share, but there's enough there for people to know, yeah, there is more to it. Yes, these were the achievements and they're amazing and they're wonderful, but there was also all of this going on. And I think that's the thing. We we have to be able to see the good for the bad, but at the same time, not let it overshadow either way. So not let the good, you know, overshadow the hard things, because I think for me, especially what I learned this year in the grief um, has been fundamental to me 
moving through it and for me to be able to go forward with it. Uh, but at the same time, it wasn't all grief. I was able to do some really cool things that I couldn't have imagined that I would have done. So I, I think it's really important to recognize both. And like you say, to see that as much as there's good, there's hard stuff. And as much as there's hard stuff, you can still do the good stuff. So, yeah, it's, again, finding finding both and, and knowing that they can exist alongside each other. Mm, definitely. And when we were kind of going back and forth before this interview took place about the kind of questions and topics we would talk about, I asked you to list a question and you wrote, do you have people around you who you can be raw and vulnerable with? And I was just like, wow, that is an amazing question. And so important, not just for grief, but for everything in life and all the feelings and all the business stuff as well. Cause obviously this is a business podcast. So I keep tying it in, but yeah, it's like, I, I think that's such a powerful question. And how has your process of going through what you've gone through changed the way you see that? Have you, have you done anything differently or have you just seen things differently in terms of the people around you? To be honest, and this is going to sound, um, this might sound quite harsh and I, I, I don't mean it to at all. But for me going through what I went through with mum, it definitely brought a lot of clarity for me around the people who are there for me and the people who aren't. And this is not at all a criticism because everyone's got things going on and I in no way expected anyone's life to stop in order for them to be there for me. That was not at all the expectation. But I think for anyone who's gone through um, a big loss or a big change or anything that's been emotionally impactful in their life, you you can really clearly remember the people who stood with you through that. And there's, for me, and I'm, again, not speaking for everyone, but there is absolutely a bond that I have with those people who were able to stand with me, even when they had no idea what to say or do, and they had no idea if they'd never been through it or never experienced it. But they stood with me because they loved me enough to do that or they they wanted to give me what they could in order for me to get through. And it's also helped me see that I may have had relationships in my life that weren't reflective of me anymore. They, you know, they may be relationships that I'd had for a long time or, but they weren't reflective of the person I am now. And it becomes easier, I think, to, to really hold close the people who matter and that sounds a little bit cliche, but when you go through something really hard, it, whatever it may be, business or life or loss or, or whatever it may be, it really brings the people close to you closer. It's like everyone kind of squeezes in a little bit. And so for me, I feel so lucky in that I had people who I knew would be there for, for me in terms of my husband and my sister who were and are my rocks. And then I had friends around me who were incredible. And then I had other people who I hadn't anticipated being so fundamental to me getting through it. So I've really found a lot of that's, I guess, one of the few other benefits of what I've been through is that I found these golden nuggets of love and relationships and bonds and connection that I just hadn't realized how precious they were until I went through something and and they were there. Those people were there to kind of keep me going and, and get me through. So it's definitely given me a whole new perspective on, you know, loving hard on the people that you love. There's there's no point trying to spread yourself 
too thin and then you can't be for people the way you want to be for people. Whereas it's better to have the people that you love close and then you can be the best of you for them. If that mm. makes sense. Yeah, it definitely does. Quality over quantity, I think. And not to say it's not great to have a, you know, a, it's great to have a big support network, but, but really save some of the best bits for, for the people you love most. I think that's really important. Yeah, yeah definitely. And I feel like that question you wrote down, I'm going to say it again, because I feel like it's so important for people to reflect on. Do you have people around you who you can be raw and vulnerable with? Because in my case, I didn't for a long time. And it wasn't because of the people. It was because of me and, and just my personality and just the way I had been so private for so long. And it took a kind of traumatic event for me to realize that I had to open up. Like after I had my son, I went through a very hard time with my mental health. And Firstly, I couldn't not be vulnerable because I was literally in a state, you know, so I couldn't hide it for one. So that forced me to be open. And since then, you know, since I'm getting a lot better, I have deliberately chosen to be more vulnerable with people. So sometimes I will choose to say something that makes me feel slightly uncomfortable about the feelings and stuff. And nine times out of 10, it is a good thing that I said the vulnerable thing and this podcast is another like massive example of it every time we talk about fears every time we talk about feelings everyone I speak to has gone through the same thing and in their own way but it's just like if we don't talk about it we don't know so I just feel like it's so important to have those people around you and to choose to be vulnerable at the right times as well I totally agree I think there's so much it sounds like For so long, vulnerability has been seen as a weakness and it's been seen as something to avoid. And I think, and I don't want to get all Brene Brown because (laughs) she she does it so much better than me. So I'm, I'm not trying at all to paraphrase, but I think there is so much possibility in being vulnerable. We really give other people a chance to, to step into that with us. We give ourselves the opportunity to connect in ways that we wouldn't otherwise. And I think yeah, sure, it's a risk, but so is not doing it because you you miss that chance of connection. And I, for me, when I was grieving during the worst period, I had to be okay with saying, oh, I'm doing really badly today. And that for me mm-hmm. is so unnatural. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. just not something I think I'd ever said in my life before. And I had to be okay to say that day after day to the people close to me so they could say, okay, cool, we will take over the adulting for today so you can just have a really bad day so it's not it's not necessarily easy it's not the easy choice all the time but I think it gives people the the right people it gives them the chance to to be what you need and and be there for you absolutely and even in a day-to-day way like my husband and I have been really practicing you know much more honest communication about our feelings and just saying to each other, you know, I'm feeling crappy today, but it's nothing to do with you. It sounds so simple, but how many times in the past we have just like been in a grump and not told the other one and we've just assumed that we've done something wrong, you know, when the other one's like that. And it's just like the power of communication. I mean, it's so obvious in some ways and then we still don't do it. So it's just made such a difference. Definitely. And I think it's, it's also habit building. If you just get used to doing it, I think you get more comfortable doing it. And when, you know, maybe if there's a situation where you say something that is a bit more vulnerable 
and the other person doesn't respond, you're you're actually more okay with it because you're this is just how you are now and you're just used to being more open. Some people will be okay with that. Some people won't, but either way it doesn't really matter because that's just how you are. That's how you express yourself. And I think it is a habit for me. It's something, it's a brand new habit that I've learned, but it is, yeah, it's just how I am now. I don't, I don't know how to go back. <laughs> yeah, I totally get that. And I personally feel way more comfortable being that way as well. It's really, yeah. really, it's like empowering and amazing actually. Okay. So I'm going to change the tone of things a bit because I'm going to wrap things up. And yeah. what I'm doing is I'm asking a random icebreaker question from my card deck. So I've picked the card already. And the question mm-hmm. is, what is something you will never do again? Okay. So I had to, I had to think about this. I know you're trying to to lighten the mood somewhat, <laughs> but I'm, uh, unfortunately I'm going to have to, the first thing That's that came fine. to mind is to, to go back deep a little bit. Um, one of the things that I found when I was um, when I was losing my mum, when I was caring for her, when she was really ill, was that I. It was easier because when you're caring for an ill person, there is so much to do. There are so many practical things that you need to do to look after them and take care of them. And I really let the doing interfere with the being instead of just being with her as much as I could have and um, letting her just be with me. I was so, I, I think I just wanted to take care of all the things and make sure everything was done. And, you know, and my mum always had um, a really clean house. She was a, a clean freak. And so my sister and I just took that on and we we cleaned all the time. And now I look back and I think, my goodness, the amount of times I could have just been with her and spent that time talking to her. And it sounds, I know, really cliche when you're losing someone. But I think we, for me, this is something I've taken into my normal life. And it's something I practice with my kids a lot that you can do. There's always going to be more to do. And I'm a mum with two toddlers. There is always either laundry or cleaning or cooking. There's always something to do. But I'm really taking more time to just be with them and not do anything, not have to achieve anything, not have to get to a certain outcome. And that's something I've really changed in myself. And I'm with that in a lot of areas of my life now. I don't go into a lot of interactions with um, an expectation. I'm just there to be in it, not to do it. And I think that's something that I think – after, especially after I lost mum and I looked back at that time with her and I thought, gosh, if I could have just been with her more, then I would have more of her to take forward now. And so for me, what I'll never do again is let the doing overtake the being because it's, it's easy. It's so easy to, to keep doing, but I think we lose a lot of what we could have with someone by not being You've got me in the heart. <laughs> Sorry, no, oh, no, no, yeah. No, that's fine. And I was just going to say, is there anything else that you feel needs to be said about grief? Because obviously we've talked quite a lot, but I want to I wanna just see if there's anything else that you really want to tell people about it or share. The only other thing I'd say, and I hope that this has come through, and I never at any time want to be prescriptive. So if you take nothing else away from this, is that there's no right way to do it. There's no right way to feel um, the stages of grief as as great as they are as signposts that they're, they're not 
requirements and they're not a path that you have to walk. It's so unique to everyone, but you're not alone in it. So whatever you need when you're grieving, whatever stage you're at, whatever you're going through is okay. And there are people there for you. You're never in it alone. Mm, Thank you. Thank you so much. This conversation has been amazing. Thank you. And thank you. (laughs) Thank you so much for, for letting me share. I know that it might seem like it has a tenuous link to business, but I think business owners lose people too. You know, we're all going to have to face this. So yeah, I'm really grateful. Thank you. If you want to find out more about Ingrid and her work, the best place is Instagram, which is at deck and dash or one word underscore Ingrid or in her Facebook group, All the Business Bits. She also has a podcast of the same name, which is well worth listening to. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of Creatively Human. If you have a moment, I'd be so grateful if you could rate and review the podcast. It really does make a difference. And if you'd like to carry on the conversation or ask a question for a future Q&A episode, there are three ways to connect with me. On the Facebook group, on Instagram, at Ruth Poundwhite, or my personal favourite, my behind-the-scenes newsletter. Just go to ruthpoundwhite.com forward slash newsletter to subscribe. And keep doing what you're doing, because your work really does matter.